before we get started, just wanted to say I'm already encouraged um, just with the scripture passages that have been shared and the, the songs that were chosen. I uh, just pray that this would be a continuation of that and um, some of the themes are similar. So thankful to the Lord for that. So if you asked me last year um, what was my goal, kind of my resolution for the year, I would have said consistency. Just wanted to strive to be more consistent, but if there was one word that God just kind of kept hitting me over and over again with, it wasn't so much that. Consistency was kind of an up and down struggle. But one thing that God really was teaching me uh, was weakness. Just and I, I shared a message on it last year, I believe, as well. And I kind of feel like I'm in the same place, sharing some similar thoughts, but maybe some different angles and some different, some different passages. But that's, again, the, the strong theme that I feel as though the Lord's just been really impressing upon me, just the, how, how weak I am and how important it is to lean on the Lord for strength. So if I had a title for this message... Um, struggled with that too, but I, I would say it's embracing our weaknesses to display God's strength. So just having the, the right attitude towards them in order to display God's strength. Uh, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 7 through 10, especially looking at 9 and 10. Uh, but just before we, before we look at those, that's going to be our main, our main passage. Um, it's really easy for a phrase like, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I, I can remember as a camp counselor when I was 17, 18 years old, yeah, I think I was 18, and sharing something with the rest of the group about, yeah, I was reading this verse, and you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong, and, and being somewhat encouraged by it. But as I look back now, I, I feel as though I didn't know anything about what I was talking about. And so this is one of those areas where we need, we need the Spirit's help and we need deeper reality in just these basic, simple truths um, because there's, there's no end to the depths that we can go to in our understanding of, of something as profound as that. So I don't want us to you know, just be careful not to fall into a cliche of, yeah, I, I know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And it kind of like a lot of other things we can say, you know, we need to... We need to walk in the Spirit and just kind of assume we all know what you know, we mean by that. Um, you know, like a lot of other sayings, there's, there's so much to it. And so I just pray that the Lord would help. Um, one other thing I just wanted to touch on before getting into our main section is just kind of a, um, kind of a caution. And then there's just there's a bit of a, it's amazing to me how difficult it is sometimes for us to get some of the most important truths and really understand them. And how quickly, like, so it's like planting seeds and how you have to really cultivate the ground for, for fruit, for there to be growth. But weeds tend to come up and spread so easily, like with almost no effort. And there's, there's some wrong teaching um, that is sort of related to this. So I wanted to just touch on that first before going into this area of weakness. Because I've, I've heard this a lot, not so much here, but just in Christian circles. So there's this idea that, you know, maybe you've heard this before. God, God won't give you more than you can handle. Can anyone relate to that at all in their, in their Christian life? You know, God, he won't give you more than you can handle. That's just not true. 
I mean, that's just blatantly not true. Um, and a lot of times what will get quoted, you don't need to turn there. I just want to make sure I'm quoting it right. Uh, they'll use verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 um, as a way to encourage you that, you know, God's not going to overwhelm you beyond what you can handle. And so they'll say, you know, no temptation has overcome you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The thing is, is in the context that that passage is talking about temptation to sin, it's talking about Israel's tendency towards idolatry, and it's, it's an encouragement, it's a promise in the midst of a, a broader context of a people who were given to idolatry. And it's in, there's exhortations to flee from idolatry. And so just with that, th- this verse is, is being taken out of context when it's used as an encouragement that, hey, God's not going to give you more than, you know, he's not going to put more on your plate than what you can handle. The reality is, and I like this, I like this a lot better. Just change the word um, a little bit. God will not give you more than he can handle. And that's, that's the reality. He won't give you more than he can handle through you. Um, God is actually going to, on purpose, put things in your life that are going to stretch you and make you feel like he is giving you way more than you can handle, on purpose. And if we, if we turn to verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 for encouragement that he won't do that, what we find ourselves doing because of bad teaching, because this is the most important bad teaching to identify, there's a lot of things that are really in, you know, aren't that, aren't, aren't that significant. But something like this, you may actually be praying. If you're saying, God, get me out of this. This is so hard. You may be asking and praying for an escape from the very thing God is sending you. And you're trying to use scripture to justify why you're doing that, but you're actually working against what God is trying to do. And that's dangerous. We need to be careful of that. Um, we, we can kind of fall into the trap of being kind of like what Martin Lloyd-Jones said, you're on the right road, but you're facing the wrong way. So you're, you're on the path, but you're, you're facing the wrong direction. You're looking at it all, all wrong. And so we need to get our thinking right. And so let's turn and read... 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I might have said that wrong, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we're going to read verses 7 through 10. So just quick on the context, um, Paul is being attacked um, from a lot of uh, false teachers within the Corinthian church, he's, he's absent at this time, there have been a few letters back and forth, and he's He's defending himself and his ministry. And so, just in short, he, he gives this example of being, and we're not going to read this part, he, he gives this example of this incredible vision he had where he was caught up, into, caught up into paradise, and he doesn't share what he saw, and he's not sharing it to brag or say, you know, God gave me all these amazing visions. He shares the story as an exam- to, to show how God is teaching him weakness, and that how through that, that's actually showing God is truly working through. So these false teachers are pointing at Paul and saying, look at all this weakness or all this suffering and all these things that he's facing. That's, that's evidence that he's not one of God's apostles. And he's saying, actually, to the contrary, these are all proofs and evidences that I am one of God's apostles, um, that I am sent by God. And so he shares this story um, 
And then he goes into what was God teaching him through that. So starting in verse 7, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God was purposing weakness in the life of the Apostle Paul, who had had these great visions and was so amazingly used, but he put this this thorn in the flesh, this area that brought Paul incredibly low. And and think about this. Were there any other lessons that took Paul three times to to get it down? This is a really difficult lesson to learn. And I I keep finding, you know, I, I shared about weakness in some of these verses last year, over a year ago, and I feel like, I really didn't learn too much from what I even shared. And so I'm again in that same place. I need to learn this over and over um, because we, we have this natural tendency to keep coming back to looking at the weak areas and the struggles we're going through. These are the bad areas in our life. And we want to focus on the strong areas and the things that we feel, we feel more helped in, that those are the strong areas. And again, God looks at things totally differently. And so we're, we're needing to constantly have our thinking renewed in what the word of God says. And it, and to be, you know, be encouraged, it, it took Paul three times to get this. So it was a hard lesson even for Paul to learn. And so, um, so God was using this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, he doesn't really tell us. And so I don't think it's worth spending too much time trying to figure it out. Um, it's, it's something that made him feel his weakness very keenly, enough to where he's He's despairing, in a sense, pleading with God that it, you know, take this out of my life. And if we were all honest with some of the things that are in our lives, whether it be weaknesses in, our, in ourselves or weaknesses or struggles or stressors, troubles, things around us in our lives that make us feel our weakness, so they could be internal, they could be external things, um, if we were strong enough, we would get rid of them like yesterday, right? If we were honest. But God doesn't. Why doesn't he? And sometimes it, it causes us to question him, like, why, why won't you take this thing? You, you know that this thing is causing me to feel incredibly weak and discouraged. Why won't you take this out of my life? And so that was the dilemma Paul had. Paul was used to seeing prayers answered, but God was not answering this one, and he had something he needed to learn. And so... What were, I, I identified three things, there's probably a lot more, but what were the purposes for this hard lesson, this thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan that was given to, to Buffett to come at um, Paul? It was to keep him from becoming conceited, so Paul knew within himself there's a tendency towards pride, and so God's given me this to keep me from becoming you know, prideful um, with the vision, the incredible vision he was given. 
um, and other things, Paul could easily have said, look at all that, I'm, look at all that God is doing through me. I'm, I'm pretty amazing. He could have been given, and he knew he was maybe given to think that way, so God put this in his life to keep him humble. Uh, second reason, to cause him to lean on the Lord more. So God is teaching Paul, you need to lean on me. I, I am leaning, Lord. Okay, but you're not leaning hard enough. I'm going to keep, keep pressing this issue because you're not leaning hard enough on me. So he's teaching Paul, you need to lean on me. And then the third thing, Paul needed to have a change in attitude about this, these areas, about this thorn in the flesh. He was seeing it as a negative thing. You know, it's a messenger of Satan, so it sounds very much like it's coming from the devil. But, I mean, we have to understand and know um, anything negative that's coming into our life or anything difficult or challenging that isn't, uh, you know, like this isn't talking about sin. Um, this is the, So just to be clear on this, I meant to say this a bit earlier, but um, this, these areas of weakness, these struggles, these difficulties, these aren't sinful choices that we're making. Um, or, or just bad choices, and the results that come of those, that's, that's kind of a different, a different area to look at. This is specifically things that about you that are areas of weakness, or just circumstances that come into your life that become weaknesses, that you haven't done anything wrong. It's just God, God's brought them there. Um, and Satan may be the one that's initiating it. Well, what's, what's Satan's purpose in it? What was Satan trying to do to to Paul, because it's similar to what he would try to do to, to us. Satan wanted Paul to despair and and kind of give up. And that's what that's what he does to us as well. So we're we have something that we're praying that God would get rid of in our lives. And you know, again, it's we have the wrong attitude towards towards it maybe. Um, but the devil will try to use it to fill us with despair and cause us to give up. Or maybe just We'll, we'll trudge along. Again, we're on the path, and we're seeking to follow the Lord, but we're just so discouraged. We're kind of just plowing ahead, but there's no hope. There's no encouragement in our hearts. And so, again, that can all be the ways that the devil is trying to use it. But God's ultimate purpose is to show his strength in us and help us to understand you know, what the, what the truth really is, what the reality really is, and that is, you know, these things that are bringing weakness are actually making us stronger because it's causing us to not look at ourselves. It's causing us to look more on God. It's causing us to lean more on him. And so I, I, I really feel like over and over again, it's this attitude change towards the area of weakness. That's the hardest lesson to learn. Uh, but that's what Paul was able to learn here. Um, so God is purposing this. He, he desires that our joys would be full, you know, we, we, and we can trust him, you know, like what Andy was sharing. Sometimes it's easier to obey than just trust him, um, but we have to trust his desires are for our good. Um, we have to be careful not to just, de- not just resign ourselves to the difficult circumstances um, because we, we've kind of stopped short then. It's more than just, well, okay, this is just always going to be here and I'm just going to trudge along and I'm going to endure and I'm going to press on. That's commendable, but that stops short of where what Paul was trying to teach here. It goes, it goes deeper than just plowing ahead with a kind of discouraged, maybe even hopeless um, attitude. 
Um, and, and I love what Paul says here as well, just about the motivation. Um, he says, for the sake of Christ then. Um, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Many times the reason we're so overwhelmed is we're so focused on the difficulty that our eyes are just not on Christ. Um, and if we can just get our eyes off of ourselves and onto Christ, we'll see, this is, why, this is why I'm striving. This is why I'm fighting. It's because of Jesus. You know, if, if you're here and you don't belong to the Lord, that won't sound like much of a motivator. You want to hear, like, well, no, I, I want some more comfort. I want some ease. I don't want this life to be hard. Um, but Christ has promised us that. And, and if you're here and you know the Lord, you know he's, he's worthy of any struggle, of any difficulty. Because the, the joys that we have in him are infinitely greater than any struggle that we might ever face. So for the sake of Christ, be glad and boast in your weaknesses. Um, that word, <clears throat> I think I shared this last time. Um, I really loved when I looked up this word for content. I don't remember what it was now in the, in the Greek. Um, but it's not just content like, ah, you know, I'm content. I'll, I'll put up with it. It actually has to do with being glad. So when he's saying, I am content with these things, he's saying, I am glad with these things. And that actually goes along better with the idea of boasting. So he's boasting and he's glad in all of these things that make him feel weak. Um, the next thing here, so, so our weakness and learning to embrace the things that make us feel weak, that cause us to look to God for help, and then be able to embrace it with joy, to be glad in those things that make us weak. Um, next, I wanted to move on to what is the source of our strength? And just look at how able God is to lift us, maybe out of a very discouraged state that you might be in. And so that's the next part here I wanted to look into. So he says in verse 9 here, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So we know that grace and power are not exactly the same thing, but one thing I noticed here and then all throughout the New Testament. It's just really, as I've been studying this and looking at it, there's so many passages, so many verses that talk about grace as being much more than just forgiveness. You know, grace is that. Grace is forgiveness at the beginning of salvation. Um, it's grace that, that draws us near. And it's grace that is God's unmerited favor, his forgiveness for sinners who repent and believe. But Sometimes, not always, but sometimes grace is kind of relegated to just being that. So when we talk about grace, we think of maybe a warm hug, something that's, something that's nice and helpful at the beginning of salvation, but we don't look at... So when we see something like this, where the word grace and the word power are basically used interchangeably. So have you ever thought of grace as being power? Okay, so he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So he's repeating the same thing, but saying a slightly different way. So not that grace and power are synonymous, but they are used interchangeably here. So God's grace is the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. At the, yeah, at the beginning of salvation, but on through um, to the end. Um, I found this quote somewhere, and I can't remember who said it. But grace, which is that Greek word charis, 
Um, it's the unmerited favor and work of God through the Holy Spirit from the beginning to the end of salvation. And you know, sanctification, glorification, all those things. Grace is from the beginning to the end. And we've sung about it, but we don't always think about it that way. You know, grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. So it's God's grace from the beginning to end, and learning to not just look at the trials and the difficulties, but fix our eyes on his ability and his grace to strengthen us and help us through. Um, there's a quote of uh, Leonard Ravenhill's that just comes into my mind every now and again. I don't know if everybody knows who Leonard Ravenhill was, um, but uh, he, he says he said at one point in one of his messages, we're still paddling around the edges of the possibilities of grace. Um, I really want to embrace and see that for you know see that truth for what it is. We, we've barely even tapped into the possibilities, the the oceans of grace that are available to us if we would just dive in. But we're just still kind of hanging around the edges. As as little of a trial as possible. We're always just leaning towards and looking towards, I just want this to be over with. I just want this to be over with. I'm so tired of this struggle, Lord. I I can't handle it any longer. Um, And I I can relate to that. I, I know Not that everyone's had the same struggles. And... Just a word of caution here. Be careful not to fall into the trap of comparing your struggles and trials with those around you because you just don't know. And I have to remind myself of that as well. You know, you, we don't know. And that's why our, our thoughts, again, should be outward and how can I bear other people's burdens, not always focusing on how great the burdens are that I have. Um, but if our eyes can be fixed outward, um, and again, on Christ, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. That was... So encouraging what you shared, um, brother. Just Jesus, he really does understand. There's no, there's no struggle or difficulty that we can face that he cannot relate to. And that's so encouraging. That's so encouraging. So just a few verses I wanted to mention. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, the grace of God, this is in Titus, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly and righteously in this present age. You know, I I remember in college where the grace of God is taught in such a way where it's like, it just means forgiveness. And, you know, basically God will always forgive you and you can kind of just live however almost. And that's, or they'll just look at grace as being forgiveness and and that's it, there's it, it's it God's grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. It teaches us to live soberly and righteously. It's not just about being forgiven. It's about walking in victory over sin. One more verse that kind of reinforces that um, is Romans six, where it says, um, "You know, we know we're not under law; we're under grace. How do we know that? Because we're forgiven." Well, yes, but that's not what he says. He says, sin will have no dominion over you. So that's the evidence that you're not under law, but under grace. So far from it being, hey, God will always forgive me no matter what, and kind of a, you know, not a very serious look at victory over sin, that's actually walking in continual 
um, sin and struggling is a sign that you're still under law. Um, the sign that you are under grace is sin will not have dominion over you. Um, so again, grace is that strength, that muscle. It's the, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. That's, that's what grace is. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. In Ephesians 1. And 1 Peter, fix your eyes on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Just a couple of verses to turn to, just again to reinforce. So this idea that God's grace, his strength, his power, the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Again, they're not synonymous, but they're almost used interchangeably a lot throughout the New Testament. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, if you wanted to turn there. Just a couple of verses that we'll just look at here. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. This is again Paul here speaking and to the same, same group of people actually. Um, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So, far from grace and works in this context, obviously when we're talking about salvation, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But when it comes to the working out of our salvation and God's grace working in us, and on a side note, this is where Catholicism gets things really wrong, because they'll look at this aspect of grace and they'll make this how a person is justified before God. And that's where, um, that's where false teaching or error comes in. But what he's talking about here is just, you know, we, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so God's grace working in us is creating those good works in and through us. And so for Paul, um, it's not a contradiction to look at, you know, by, by God's grace, I am who I am, and then it's God's grace working in and through me, causing me, strengthening me to labor harder than anyone else. It's, that's, it's all the grace of God working in and through him. Another passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I don't know how that cannot, could not be an encouragement. Again, if, if, you're, if you're looking to God and his ability, uh, and if we can just take our eyes off of our weaknesses, off of ourselves, it's God is able. You know, God is able to make all grace abound having all sufficiency, that's it's incredible. Um, because if we look at ourselves, again, we always come back to, I'm so insufficient, I'm so inadequate. But we forget the verse that says, but he, make, he makes us adequate. He is able to make us adequate. Um, so our weaknesses are not actually our weaknesses. Many times it's our, um, I think, yeah, it was Paul Washer who said, and I've quoted this before, but he says, the problem is not that you're too weak. The problem is you're too strong. That, that's our problem. There's, there's nothing that God puts in our lives where 
it's I'm too weak for this. It's always God is far, he is more than enough. If I'm leaning on him and looking to him, he is more than enough for this trial, for this difficulty. Um, So the problem is never, it's never that we're too weak. It's that we're too strong. Um, It and why, why is it? You know, this is what I have to keep coming back to myself about is why is it when I see my areas of weakness, do I become so discouraged? Why does it discourage me so much? Why doesn't it cause me to get on my knees and cry out to God? And I just, I have to come back to, and this isn't meant to be hard, it's just, I, it, it has to be pride. You know, why, why, I, I should be farther along. I shouldn't need God's help this much now. You know, what, what would cause us to not, when, when we see our need, we feel our need, because we all do, we see our need and we're falling short and we're not walking as we ought, or maybe we're, we're striving and, and, and plowing ahead, but we're so discouraged. And again, I'm not saying that, don't interpret what I'm saying is we need to always be going around with a big smile on our faces, because that's not what I'm saying. It's the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not just a saying. That's not just a cliche. It's a reality I want to walk in, even when things are hard. Because Paul clearly shows us it's, it's possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I want to walk in that. I, want to just, I don't want to just read about it. I want to live in that reality. You know, I want to know what it is to, in the middle of a struggle, not just when it's over and you can breathe a sigh of relief and, okay, now I can be content in the Lord again. Like, no, then we haven't really learned how to rejoice in the middle of suffering. And so, you know, why, why is it? What, what is it that marks out those that God has been most encouraged in? You know, I think of ones like uh, Christina um, here, where she just seemed to always be full of joy, full of the Holy Spirit, and just, what, what, was, the, what was the difference? Is, was, she, was she more special than me, that I couldn't walk in that? Again, some of it, you know, there might be some differences there that, you know, but in the end, she walked in joy and in reality and peace with the Lord. I, I remember driving to work at times, and she would be walking down the road, and she would be like, hands in the air, you know, praising, you know, even when no one was looking. She is just still overflowing with joy in the Lord. Like, I, I want to know something of that, even in the midst of, you know, great trials and difficulties. And... um I think one of the differences is, because we all need more of the Lord, um, but the problem that at least I see in my own life is my, my recognition of how great my need is makes me discouraged versus driving me to my knees. You know, why, does, why does my need not drive me to my knees to cry out to God for help? Instead, it makes me discouraged. I'm so weak. Why do I do that? It has to be pride, or at least a part of it, you know. Um, and I don't know. It might be different with everybody. But, you know, the, the uniting mark, I would say, I heard Paul Washer was preaching on this something uh, here recently. You know, the uniting mark of those that God has most used is not, well, they're just so disciplined. Oh, and I, that's just not me. You know, or, oh, they just have an amazing prayer life, or they're just, they're just more given to that. And he said that I don't. He said I don't believe in any of that. It, it was their their need. They just they their need for God drove them to be weak in His arms. Now, what is it the the song says? Come ye sinners, poor, um, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. You know that one verse where it says, 
all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. Like that's, that's all the fitness that we need. It's, it's, it's nothing in ourselves. And if we believe that at the beginning of our salvation, why would it change? You know, it, it doesn't change. It's still now, God, I need you. I cannot do anything without you. I need your grace. And that was the danger that the Galatian believers were running into in Galatians 3, is they, they started in grace, but then they were turning to works. And it's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about here, making it all about works. It's, no, it starts in grace, and it continues in grace, and it's all leaning hard on the Lord the entire way. Um, so just some concluding thoughts here. So if we can learn to look at our weaknesses from a spiritual standpoint instead of from a, a fleshly standpoint, um, we can be more it, it's we can be more encouraged and then just cry out to God and lean on him for for grace and for help. Um, just some concluding thoughts here. So have have you learned to embrace your weaknesses, the trials, the difficulties you're going through? Um, the stressors, the things that are pressing down on you. That was one of the things, uh, the meanings of these words here. Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, all these things that Paul was talking about that bring out, that magnify how weak you are. Um, and that idea of like a pressure, something that's pressing down on you. Okay, that, That's one of those words. I can't remember which one when I studied this before, but one of these words carries with that, the idea of like something that's pushing down on you. Um, have you learned to be, to be glad? And this is a hard lesson. Have you learned to be glad in those areas that, that can now demonstrate God's power in you, if, if you will lean on him? Or do you feel like many times, most of the time actually, that I do, where I'm kind of just trudging along um, and you know striving and not giving up, but not really encouraged, um, not always the most hopeful, and not really... Not really in a place where I can truly exalt God and say, look, look, at, look at how kind my master is. Instead, I look like, wow, I, he must have a hard master. And that's not, what we want to, that's not what we want to show to the world. And that's not the way. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, God, God is there. He is able to help. Um, do you still see your weaknesses from a negative standpoint and your strengths um, as more from a positive standpoint in that you want to lean on them. Now, I'm not in any way suggesting that the gifts or the strengths that God has given us are, are negative or bad. Um, so don't, don't misinterpret. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's our tendency to lean on those things versus the things we think is weak. That's, it's that tendency that we need to be careful against. Because God has gifted some far greater than others in certain areas, and that's from him, and that's a good thing. Um, but the, the point is, do you see your strengths as, yeah, those are my strengths, that's what I'm good at, you know, kind of like the illustration I, I gave before about a job interview, where when you go into your job interview, you're not, you're not wanting to highlight to those who are interviewing you, yeah, these, I'm really weak in these areas, but that's okay, because it just makes the rest of the team look strong, and how they carry me up, <laughs> like, wow, that would not, you wouldn't go well for you um, in an interview, and so... You, you focus on, I'm really good in these areas, and then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm weak in these areas, but I'm, I'm improving, I'm educating myself, and that's how you would do an interview. 
But that's not the way God works. It's almost the opposite. He looks at it as, okay, you're strong in these areas. We're going to need, I'm going to need to work weakness in you so you don't rely on those things. And then the areas of weakness, I'm going to help you really feel the weakness even more so you just lean on me um, through it. Remember, and this, this one, sometimes I read this verse and I'm thinking, Paul, how could you say it? How could you say it like that when you look at all that Paul went through? You know, read 2 Corinthians 11 and just that long description of all the difficulties and suffering shipwreck and being whipped and persecutions. Um, And then in another passage, he talks about this light momentary affliction, which is but for a moment. Like, how could you describe all the struggles of this life and say, it's a light momentary affliction? Like, that's... That seems impossible, but that's the spiritual view of things. You know, this, this short life is just preparation for eternity. And so, as we look at ourselves and see weakness, we look at the world around us, and it seems so unstable and so weak, um, we have to remember that we're being prepared now for a city that has foundations. We're, we're being prepared now for a city that cannot be shaken whose builder and maker is God. And the more we can embrace that and really walk in the reality of that, the more we, we can face these areas of weakness and realize, that's right, Lord. I, I'm, I'm trusting in my own strength now. I need to lean on you. And so, in closing, look, look to Christ. Learn from Christ. Learn from his example. And then le- lean hard on Christ who is full of grace and truth. Let your weakness and neediness drive you to the Father for more of the Spirit to form Christ in you. Let's pray. Father, again, just give you thanks for this time. Thank you for the saints. Thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Uh, Thank you that... You hear prayer. Uh, We're not here like so many that gather on this day who are just praying to no one. Um, You you hear our prayers because of Christ. Um, You love to hear our prayers because of Christ. Um, You love your people. And so I I pray that you would help us to find encouragement from your word and recognize that the challenges and the difficulties and the weaknesses that you work in us are for our good and come from a kind Father's heart, and that your desire is that our joy be full in you, and that we walk in victory in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace, and uh, just pray that you would be with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.